you remember the first story that was so spellbinding that it drove you to break the rules and stay up all night? To keep reading, keep listening, keep playing? So good you forgot your life and lived there? So good that the moment it ended, you asked yourself, what next? Welcome to the floor. Our goal is to take you back, take you deeper, to explore and understand more, and relive that childlike wonder. Join us as we dive deep into humanity's greatest stories, no matter how they are told, through books, movies, television, even games. One of us does an in-depth research on our topic. One of us is familiar with the topic. And one of us knows nothing. So the right questions will always be asked and will be addressed for anyone coming into the topic, regardless of how much you know. Enjoy another world another adventure, another spellbinding story. Join us on the floor. Welcome to the floor. We are still in the world of The Witcher. We are diving into episode two of season three of the Netflix series. We're going to go into some all the deep lore points and uh, explain some of the things that might be a little confusing as they come up. So if that is what you are interested in, this is the episode for you. So uh, yes. kind of move through the summary as we go through. Why? What happens? Well, we'll get to it, and then I'll talk about it. Um, I do have one question before we start. So, in episode one, uh, one of the dwarfs refers to gnomes. Are there gnomes on the continent? Yes, there are gnomes. There are halflings. Uh, yeah, all, all kinds of stuff. He, the Witcher's main story in counties counters very few of these, um, but uh, they 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 do show up, and they are mentioned. Okay, all right. So. This episode opens and we see a bunch of people hanging uh, uh, anyone with pointed ears. So Ooh. most likely half-elves, maybe a, a one or two pure elves. And they're calling them spies. Um, and this is kind of a result of the Squayatel, right? They're, they're ambushing caravans, small groups of soldiers, and just killing them off. And this is pretty much a common incident in any war. Like even if you look at the American wars, you know, in World War II, we had concentration camps for anyone who looks Japanese or had any Japanese blood in them. You know, this is this is exactly what we see going on here. Anyone who looks elven suddenly is considered a spy and an enemy, and they're hanging them in this little town here. Okay. We see Suri have a vision, and these are becoming more prominent for her as her magical training is kind of bringing this to the surface. And we begin to see that she feels a need to born anyone she sees die in her vision which is constantly attracting attention and yennefer is really and she's like i can't control my visions and yennefer's like yeah but you can control who you tell about it like get it together (laughs) so then she wants to save people and yennefer's like we are low profile right now and it's really poetic for yennefer to be telling people and not do stupid things well and there's a there's a bigger thing here where Yennefer points out be like you see this person die this person who you have just met you knew nothing about and you know nothing about how their death impacts the bigger world it might be for the better that this person dies in that moment you don't understand those consequences so you shouldn't be messing with destiny interesting point okay Geralt goes to visit his two investigators Codringer and Fenn and when he gets there, Codringer refers to Yeskir as the Viscount of Lettenhoven. And the, the two of them are looking for information about Reince, and uh, they kind of discover where the Fire Mage is hiding. So 
Viscount. So this is a noble position. It's above a baron and below an earl. So to kind of break this down a little bit, initially uh, positions of royalty and title were connected to responsibility. So you had the king at the top, um, which uh, would be comparable to like our president. He's over everything. And then you have governors over each state. And then below them, you've got mayors over cities. So a baron would be over kind of like a city. It's It would be a city and then the surrounding farmland. And then a duke would kind of be over several barons, and then the king was over everybody else. But as 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 dukes wanted to really expand their holdings, their power, and their wealth, they would get uh, they expand their dukedom so big that they couldn't manage all of it. They would expand so their. So then what? they would put in their dukedom, their, uh, their land. So they wanted the more dukedom. land. Dukedom. I just want to make sure we yeah. said that word again. Yeah, dukedom. Uh, yeah, and so then you you start to get a lot of smaller positions in between a baron and a duke as these dukes are trying to just get even bigger and bigger. Uh, thus, we get counts and viscounts and all kinds of stuff. Now, there's any, there's an interesting thing that happens in in France where they just they they decide to create an economic system where they will just create all kinds of fancy titles and sell them to wealthy people as a way to gain revenue. And so then you have like a whole slew of royal titles coming out of the French court and being picked up, some of them by other uh, systems as well. But yeah, and so this uh, Yaskier is actually uh, the Viscount of Lettenhoven. He is of noble birth. Oh. Uh, he has a, a he went to university. He's very educated. That's why he can read and write. Probably where he learned to play music. That um, makes sense. So that that uh, Viscount of is his official title. It's also why he can just wander into the various royal courts across the Northern Kingdoms and, you know, be a part of them because he is a royal. Yeah, he chooses to kind of wander and play in taverns. You know, he, he, he there's something about him that likes that nomad life because he could simply return home and be at court. And it's not just Geralt. He had chosen this before. Right? Yeah, he'd chosen this before, yeah. And now I do want to bring up the fact that Female dwarves have beards of course. in The Witcher. And we see that here. Like, in the previous episode, it's mentioned, and in this episode, we see it. And the only reason I want to bring this up is because in The Lord of the Rings, we know that f female dwarves have beards. And for some reason, in The Rings of Power, they didn't do yes, that. They... They're like, we're just not going to do this. Yes. <laughs> Be like, but Gimli specifically has a line in the movies where he talks about uh, it. Yeah. And now he's like, people think they've never seen female dwarves. He says, because of the beard. Because <laughs> of the beard. You have seen a one. It, it was just got a beard on yeah, and you thought just, it was a male. But it wasn't. That was a female. Yeah, yeah. So I was really happy to see the female dwarves bearded in The Witcher. Be like, thank you for not walking away from yeah, that. Yeah. I, it may not be aesthetically pleasing, but it's true to lore. It's not aesthetically pleasing to humans. Female dwarves aren't trying to get humans. To humans. And that's... That's the point, right? It is not aesthetically pleasing to humans. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, the whole point is about creating that immersive fantasy where it's like everything is not for you mm -hmm. here, right? It's, you it's, should feel it's like a, world a, stranger, in a strange land when it's a different race. Yes. They have different customs than you for a reason. So with the female dwarf, uh, Emir is talking about something called Mahakam Steel. Mahakam um, Steel Sword. So... We when we did when we talked about the dwarves, we talked about their little kingdom, and that is Mahakam. And so Mahakam steel is just a reference to dwarven steel or the steel made by the dwarves in that little area there. So 
So this is this is the steel that I'm about to hack him with. <laughs> okay, so that's the formal title. I don't think you've brought this steel up before. Is it like like a mithril type or? Uh, we did mention that uh, you know the dwarves have this area and they control most of the steel production across the kingdom. So they don't technically have their own kingdom. They are part of Tamaria, but they get to rule and run themselves because. And if it, Tamaria steel. interferes, so they just shut down steel production that they make. Um, this is an iron, or okay, okay. yeah, it's not alloy. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's not iron. They are definitely making steel. It is referred to it as that. Uh, Fringilla is a prisoner of Nilfgaard, and uh, her position as prisoner is testing food for poison. So we see that she's put on a ton of weight, just eating food and drinking wine all day, just to make sure it's not poisoned. Um, and then uh, Yennefer decides to take a portal to Eratusa and she talks and she contacts a mage to do this called Kira and her full name is Kira Metz. Now if we go back to season one of The Witcher when uh, Geralt first encounters Triss Marigold and they deal with the princess who was born this wild creature and he saves her right she turns back I think we've mentioned her once or 92 times yeah yeah so the Sorceress who served King Fall Test before Triss Marigold was Kira Metz. And for one reason or another, she chose to leave his service and just kind of do her own thing. And so now we see that she's creating portals for money for people. And super uh, chatty. We I won't go into any more about Kira Metz because any other lore pieces on her will also include spoilers. But depending on how much they stick to lore she will eventually play a bigger part in the story. Uh, she also is close friends with Philippa Eilhart and Sabrina Glesevig. Okay. So Philippa Eilhart, she's a dark-skinned one who turns into the owl. And then Sabrina is the uh, blonde, kind of mean uh, sorceress in the Brotherhood. So, so yeah, so Triss replaces Kira when she leaves. And like I said, that's about as far as we can go. All right. Jumping to Ertuza, Triss wants to stay there and train some new mages. She doesn't want to go back to uh, Serene in a court. And while there, she discovers a blood splat in the room of a missing girl. Um, and then Philippa sees that uh, Radovid is actually very intelligent and requests that uh, Dijkstra kind of recruit him to help in their plans. Siri and Yennefer uh, discuss her rash choices, and Yennefer shows her the farm where she grew up and how she was treated as a child to kind of show her. Hold up. What was this blood splat well, about? That's as much as we get in this episode, so I'm not going to go into it. Okay. <laughs> it's just a mystery here. So, And then we see Kahir. So Kahir and Frangilla, they deceived Amir in saying that they're the ones who killed the elven baby when it was actually him. And so her punishment, you know, she was prisoner. She's testing poison. His punishment is he's sent to the front lines and just skirmishing with the various northern soldiers there. And uh, he is then saved by the elf Gallatin. So Gallatin is the leader of the Scoyatel. And apparently they are old friends. And uh, so they agree to go and talk to Amir. And then Geralt, of course, goes to kill Reince. And while he is at the castle where, where Reince is using it as a base, he discovers a girl who looks a lot like Ciri. And she calls herself Ciri. Um, and he also fights a creature made of human bodies, probably the creepiest creature I've seen in The Witcher so far. 
Oh, uh, can we back up? We're not explaining this creature properly. First off, Eli, he walks into this cave, right? And there's these people, you hear him whispering like, he's the other side of the galaxy. Right? Super creepy. And then you see these okay. heads that are just attached to the wall, just that like come out and look at him. Then he finds the Cirilla lookalike, okay. and then he gets attacked by this massive body. And every time he slashes it, you hear the, the head scream. He stabs one of the corks. There's three separate cores and a bunch of limbs. One of the heads die. Yeah, it's so. Yeah, it's it's a really yeah sounds it disgustingly creepy. creepy. It's it sounds like something Eli would love. It's a really good creature they created here. I I am impressed by it. So yeah, I loved that I hated it. I hated that I loved it. And what's Yuck. it called again? Uh, they never give it a name. It's just something they've created at this castle. Okay, I uh, just probably got a plate stuck to it somewhere. No, because this is not made by the College of Risberg. This is these are rogue mages producing, producing performing rogue experiments. <laughs> this is just an abomination. But this one, this one's interesting because this isn't made by monsters. This is we were talking before, in theory, like what if you just merged a bunch of people together? I think me and Eli, actually me and Eli were talking about this not on the podcast because we're talking about Dune. And how in Dune, they do this all the time. Just like, how do you maximize someone else's pain? And then the Witcher was like, here, we'll show you. Like the spider creature. Yeah. In, uh, in Dune. Very similar, actually. It's kind of reminded me of that. Just a little more horrific. And you also had people who were screaming and crying in pain the whole time. So it really gave you a good indicator of how sad and miserable and in pain they were at any given moment. You want to take a break here, Joe? No, because we've only got a few more points. Uh, Frangilla escapes by appearing to have died from poison. And then uh, Radavir shows uh, Dijkstra that uh, he is, that, that the king of, of Redania, uh, Vizimir, is losing faith in his spy master and kind of making decisions on his own. And then uh, Reince kills Codringer and Fent. So uh, Geralt's investigators are gone. Yeah, so this is why I wanted to take a break, because that made me super mad. We're going to take a break, oh, and I'm going to talk about that. Okay, so we have been mentioning at the end of our episodes recently about the treasure room, how, as Aaron likes to describe it, in the floor we go deep into things, but in the treasure room we kind of go wide. And... We wanted to give people who have never been in the treasure room uh, a little bit of a sample. So going forward, we'll probably be uh, putting in little bits and pieces here. So here is a small clip uh, from the treasure room. We hope you enjoy it and are interested in uh, learning more in there. I think cyberpunk has mastered torture far more than any other sphere. Uh, yes. Altered Carbon had it down to like a fine science, right? They recognized like you can only torture somebody so much before you kill them. Mm -hmm. uh, but if we hijack your brain and put it into a virtual space, we can torture you to death. We can kill you repeatedly. Like we can do anything and everything far more than we could ever do your real body because you just die. But because it's only happening in your mind, it becomes infinite. Now, within The Witcher, there is a moment when uh, Strigobor...
All right, we're back. So we've been talking about the second episode of season three of The Witcher. Um, some important points. Cirilla and Yennefer are really bonding. Yennefer is really seeing herself in Cirilla. Uh, Cirilla's see, having these visions, seeing one person die, being like, no, I want to tell this person, I want to save this person, but, 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 but maybe that person dying is actually better for the whole world than not. And, you know, Yen basically destroyed... She kind of does the trolley problem with it, right? She's like, you, you, you don't see what's on the other side of the track here. You just want to save the one person. Not, not at all. Yen literally did this at the end of season one, Eli. That like that Eratusa still doesn't like her because she no, burned Scar- half of an army or like yeah or whatever it was. She kind of went overboard. Now everyone's like, okay, this lady's kind of psycho, right? And now Cirilla's doing the same thing. And Yen's like, actually, I have some personal um, qualms with that based off personal information I have obtained from personal stupidity. I got I got to interject a correction here. So Eratusa is angry, you know, for not for what she did to the army, but. When she was supposed to execute Kahir, she freed him, and then she set a big fire to block them uh, from chasing yeah. her and Kahir so they could escape. See? So that's, that is the big qualm there, too. One, they question her loyalty. Is she loyal to Nilfgaard because she saved the Nilfgaardian soldier? And two, why did she run away when they were celebrating her as this big hero? So that, that's Eretuza's problem with Yennefer. But that's also why Yennefer understands Cirilla so well. Also, why we didn't mention this in the uh, previous part of the episode, why Yennefer actually shows Cirilla her past. You know how Yennefer used to be, you know, the she used to work at the Notre Dame, you know, as the hunchback. That was her other job. She was a kid. And uh, so she showed Cirilla that. So Cirilla now knows that Yen was not always perfect. It's not always this upright, powerful, wonderful lady of light that she clearly appears to be now. Of light, Yennefer. Yeah, so, so not that. Uh, a couple other points we went over. Uh, Geralt and Yaskier were doing their thing. They went and talked to Sherlock and Watson about uh, the fire fire spitter. The fire, fire spitter. Right. What's his name? Yeah. Yeah, right. right. Fire demon dude. Uh Real fun part there. They Geralt loves betting, especially if he doesn't have money. So he's like, "Then yes, yeah. he's betting because he doesn't have money." That's kind of a funny at- yeah, well, right there. He is making a bet because he doesn't. Yeah, have the money. bet he makes is amazing because they're like, "We'll give you this information if you give us this money." He's like, "Actually, no. You'll give me this information. And we're gonna play a game if you win." And so you're gonna throw this this little ninja star at the back of my head while I'm not looking. And if you hit me, I pay, and you you don't have to give me the information or whatever. And if you don't hit me, then I get the information. And he was gambling with his uh, friend, the uh, one who got chained into like the boar, right? You got the magical flowers. They were uh... no, this that was a different one. This one, he's gambling right. right. With I'm Sherlock just saying, we've Holmes. seen him gamble before. Well, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Of course, yeah. all the time, he loves to gamble. He's he's Carol. Um, and so the guy throws the ninja star at the back of his head and Geralt doesn't even move. Because like you didn't even flinch. It's like, well, yeah, I bet on you aiming <laughs> to miss. So it was pretty cute. And yeah, and then the other important point here, well, actually, no, a couple more points. Geralt went and uh, he had to fight the 
monstrosity of Dune, which really does feel like a Dune monster. It was pretty cool. Uh, right after talking to Eli about it. And then Yaskir goes and plays with the court people and plays music for him. And his music has changed. His music's a lot more deep. It's it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Loses the lightheartedness. Yeah, it's pretty deep. And moment. they're like, sing fun and happy music. And he's like, I don't like doing that. That's the music he sings is about how people want fun and happy music, but that's not the music that matters. It was kind of a poke at the people asking for it. It was pretty cool. And then, obviously, the one point that really rubbed me the not correct way was Rant's this piece of garbage, this absolute loser piece of... Well, he burned alive. Well, he almost burned the cat alive, and then he decided to... Yeah, you think he's going to burn the cat. Like, yeah, my friend who was watching this movie is like, not the cat. And the cat's the only thing that he survives. walks out with cat in hand, and you just hear people screaming in the house, and you're like, "Wow, that's awesome! Super glad that we really grew to love these people." The interesting thing to point out is what Geralt wanted from Cudring, your friend, was to know who was controlling right, who was his master, and Cudring, your friend, said they didn't know. But when Rice shows up, they say we didn't tell him. So they did know. They're probably pretty they proud just of themselves to keep that burning alive. Oh, little sidebar. There's a website called yeah. doesthedogdie.com. And before you watch a film, you can look it up here and they'll let you know if the dog dies or not. So you can either not watch it. It's it's weird. It's a little weird to me. I got to say this, that as a society, we care more about the dogs than the human beings we claim yes, to Yes, if you fake you know, kill an to. animal... On film, it angers people more than fake killing a person. Well, no, there's there's a group, there's a demographic that is like that, right? Uh, I remember a, a friend of mine. There's a there's a group of people who are extreme animal advocates, right? Like they see a stray animal and they're like messaging everyone they know, spamming Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. So I need to come save this dog. You know, that's, that's who they are. You know, they're, they're just diehard animal lovers. And at the same time, like I even had a, a friend who's a psychologist. He says, he says, yeah, when you ever see someone that deep into loving animals, he says, they also hate people. And he says, what has happened is they've been so mistreated by people in their lives that they just cannot get themselves to trust and empathize with them anymore. And so they take all of that human desire for connection and uh, all of that, and they put that onto animals. And it puts them in the extreme version of loving animals because they've just been so abused by people that they just can't connect to them anymore. Thus, you get websites like Does the Dad Dog Die? Because that's that's not like one people. That's a whole demographic of people who fit that. I think like you can kind of just know going into a show if the people are going to die. It's just the tone of the show. It's like, wait, I really like this person and I feel safe when he's on the screen. <laughs> this is a murder mystery. He's like, but does people die? Be like, it's a murder mystery? So on does the die com, there is does a parent die. So you, you, you can you can Oh, so they really like subcategorize it on that. They plan for it. That's pretty good. Any other questions, Eli, about the, the episode? So we have an unregistered mess of creature monster. Uh, there's a mystery blood splatter. 
Yeah. So now we have people who were dropouts from from one of these schools making these abomination creatures out of humans instead of out of monsters. How is series uh, magic coming along? And last episode, oh, still not good. Okay. Well, so let's 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 debate that a little bit because her her magic, her prophesizing is coming along great. Her control and her intuition and her thinking through things is that of you know a twelve year old girl. Then there there's some good conversations. So like when Yennefer <laughs> tries to get Siri to do things, she's just angry, and then. Geralt has a way of explaining it to her so that she understands. She's like, oh, okay, get it. <laughs> yeah, and then they're both just in their feelings, Yennefer. And... Oh, yeah, and that's why Yennefer shows her. I did I did think it was funny that Siri, Siri got mad at Yen at one point, and she told her that she's never had to like deal with all this stuff because she can just power anyone any yeah, way she they calls want. Yeah, she calls him my ugly one. Well, no, 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 back up. And then Yennefer's like, <laughs> ugly come with me it's like why'd you call me that it's like i told you i'd be honest from here on forth yeah she called i had to go back and put on subtitles i was like what'd she call it yeah she called her ugly kit or ugly thing all right sounds good or, or ugly one it's so cute because she was being ugly do we have a question for the treasure room yeah any other thoughts comments concerns ugly ones so now that you have the option to torture people in it unprecedented way right because now we saw this just thinking about like executioners and torturing like because you could like merge people's bodies together and all this other stuff what do you think would be like the best way to torture someone like best meaning like the worst okay so we're going full-on inquisition here it's the witcher universe yeah you got, you got any options. You can merge people to people. You can flay them, apparently. You can do all sorts of crazy stuff. You can also possibly try and fuse people to uh, the monsters. All right. Discuss that in the treasure room.